Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now you can use code DNVR at sign up. And get some very special offers right now. You can turn a $5 bet to $200 in free bets on college hoops this entire month. I am your host, Patrick Lyons. And on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we've got spring baseball. We've got some good news for the most part of what's been going down so far down in Scottsdale at Salt River Fields. All four games so far that have been played by the Rockies in Cactus League play have been their home complex a little more of the Chris Bryant fallout a little more analysis of his contract compared to some of the other players who've been moved around this offseason and Trevor Story and where he ended up you probably already know by now but you know what I'm going to tease it for you right now if you haven't found out we're also going to hear from manager Bud Black and what he thought this morning really just moments after it became official that Trevor Story was going to play with blank and not at shortstop. He's going to play blank. Look, if you've already, if, if you're listening to this, you already know what happened, and you you're going to listen into the end anyway. So what what am I doing? No, he went he went to the Boston Red Sox, and I uh, might be playing second base, but I don't think it will actually be for very long, and I'll tell you why that is exactly but let's go ahead and do some general house cleaning as we like to say at the start of a press conference with bud black rogers brendan rogers that is was pulled from the starting lineup on saturday with some back issues tightened up on him i talked to him sunday morning just to find out what that was said he had never had back issues like that Came out of the cage after a couple swings, and he just noticed it like tightened up on him just a little bit. He mentioned that you know he he's had some hamstring issues last year. It's all it's all backside stuff, right? Not the front, but the back. Uh, so they're going to be a little cautious with him, and so he might be held out of action just for a little bit here. Hopefully, it's nothing larger than that. Elias Diaz arrived on Friday. Ryan Maltapia on Saturday got to see him briefly in the clubhouse. Haven't had an opportunity to talk with him just yet. It seems as if Jonathan Daza will be arriving very shortly, maybe even gotten in Sunday night, but he's set to go, which means everybody on the 40-man roster is in camp. Haven't really heard about issues in other clubhouses. If, if there are some interesting missing players, I don't think. Uh, that's been much of an issue. Uh, I'm sure there have been a couple of players here and there you know, around the game who have been a little bit late reporting because of visa issues, that all of which are just out of their control. Now, everybody is in camp because Johan Ibar, who probably would be the third and final guy that hadn't arrived, he was designated for assignment to make room for Chris Bryant when 
his signing was made official on Friday. That was expected. If you listen to Friday's podcast, he was the number one guy on the chopping block. Unfortunately, as it were, came over from the Boston Red Sox the previous offseason in a trade for Christian Koss. Took up a spot on the 40-man roster. Nevertheless, he was claimed on Sunday by the New York Yankees. Now, if you've been keeping tabs on the Rockies during spring training, these games that have been happening, they're 2-2. Two and two. They won the first two, came back in both of those contests, mostly by a lot of the young players that have been coming in late in the game, mostly those double-A, maybe some triple-A players have been doing some good things. You got to see Zach Veen a lot. There's actually been a lot of Zach Veen the last couple of days. Brenton Doyle, I think I've seen have more at-bats than uh, any member of the Colorado Rockies at this point. So that's been really fun if you've got a chance to come out to the ballpark to see that. But on Sunday, they lost 4-2 to the White Sox at Salt River Fields. Charlie Blackman was batting leadoff, which normally might not necessarily mean something for a guy who over the last couple of years, has been more of a cleanup hitter, more of a number three batter in the lineup. But it's notable for two things. One, the first note is just that in these spring training games, guys are just trying to get at bats. It's it's not replicating or not trying to replicate what the actual lineup is going to be for opening day. Guys need reps. Guys are just trying to get those at bats in so that they can leave, call it a day, go work on some other things, whatever it may be. But the lineup isn't always indicative. However, when pressed, Bud Black said, you know what? Charlie's been discussed. Blackman has been a guy that could go back to that leadoff spot. Now, I think I mentioned it late last week, what my preference would be at this point. Again, still have about three weeks to go until opening day, April 8th on Friday against the Los Angeles Dodgers. So a lot of different things can happen. But I think because you need to split up McMahon and Blackman and because McMahon got off to such a good start last year, you got to think, okay, maybe he'll do it again. So I'm going to put McMahon ahead of Blackman. I'm going to put Bryant in between those two guys. And I really liked Brendan Rodgers last year in the two-hole. And that works out really well. He bats right-handed, McMahon's left-handed, and you just need to find somebody for that leadoff spot. When Connor Joe was there and he was healthy, he was very good. When Raimel Tapia was there and healthy, he was very good. And I think Garrett Hampson has done a good job at times. And so I think that's what you really could see. Maybe if you come out of the shoot real quick with Blackman batting leadoff, you can still have Rogers hitting second. You can still have McMahon third, Bryant fourth. And it gets interesting from there. Probably CJ Crone there. You have the two righties back to back. Not a big deal. Nevertheless, it's interesting to see Charlie back in the leadoff spot. Had a good at-bat, his second plate appearance against Liam Hendricks. Got down 0-2. And again, for his second at-bat all spring. Remember, he just reported to camp less than a week ago. I think he was one of the later guys. I think he may have come on Sunday on, on the report day. So yeah, less than a week, or exactly a week, I should say, from when he reported. He goes and battles back from 0-2 gets it to a full count, fouls one off, and draws a walk uh, against all-star closer Liam Hendricks, who eventually walked the bases, and you could hear his four-letter phraseology from the concourse because he was none too pleased. So that was that was a, a, one of the better at-bats in that game. 
Connor Joe made a sliding catch in left field. We've seen him twice already play over at first base, made a nice grab on game one, scoop one up out of the dirt from a throw from the third baseman. So he's been a player that's trying to find a spot and battle for playing time. And the DH spot's going to be really helpful for him, I think. You know, CJ Crone's defense was a lot better in the second half, but if it happens to deteriorate, again, you only have him around for two years, but if it does deteriorate, maybe you see him a little bit more at DH, and you see Connor Joe a little bit more at first base. So you have a lot of options when your players are flexible, of course. Really, when you look at the roster, there doesn't seem to be too many positional battles. And, and we'll get to that, obviously, this spring, because I think you have those natural battles in center field. Who will get the bulk of time, or rather, who will benefit most from the DH? Again, the Rockies will not have a singular guy as DH, but who could benefit most from the DH? And, I, and right now, really, it's, it's looking to be Connor Joe. Kojo is that guy because he can be DH on some days. Others, Crow needs a break. Joe is in at first base. Blackman needs a break. Joe is in at right field. Bryant needs a break. Joe is in at left field. So you can mix and match in that way. Ryan McMahon needs a break. Chris Bryant can go to third base. Joe is in left field. So I think they are really trying to give Joe every opportunity to earn back that spot that he had earned last year before going down with a lower half injury. So there aren't too many of those battles. I, I don't really think the closer situation is going to be about. It's going to be Alex Colome, but over time you could see some shuffling in the order of who's the seventh, who's doing the eighth. All of that could change. If somebody goes down to an injury, it could change the makeup of the roster and, and certain roles. But look at it this way. The Rockies have signed a, a group of veterans, both before the lockout and after the lockout. So the opening day roster is almost set in a lot of ways. It, it sounds strange to say, but the opening day roster is, is very much set. You had Crone and Chassin brought back you know they were they're free agents but okay you know veteran presence keeping those guys around rather than making room for some younger players then once the lockout ended jose iglesias chad cool alex colome and now chris bryant so there's not going to be too many of those battles in camp as i said plus it's looking more and more like rosters could expand slightly before the start of the season no exact details just yet as to what that would be, probably by two players. Uh, there could be a cap on how many pitchers are allowed to be on the roster. So we'll keep our eyes on that situation. But I don't think the Rockies really have to worry about, well, this guy, how many options does he have? We're going to lose this player if we try to sneak him through waivers. I think everyone is is pretty much set. You know, Ryan Vallade is probably that one guy on the bubble that there might not be that room for, but he's got options. Colton Welker is a guy there might not be room for. He's got options. Other than that, pretty much anyone that you saw play last year and contributed really well is going to have a spot. Now, the long reliever role is one that you're going to see a battle. Ryan Rolison, Ashton Godot are the top two names that Buddy has mentioned. Uh, got a chance to, to catch up with Rolison the other day and 
very timely to talk about him as, as he will be making the start today on Monday against the Padres in Peoria, looking to go three innings, you know, had such a wacky season last year. You'll get to read about that on Monday. There'll be an article dropping about the exclusive interview. I had one-on-one with the Rockies top pitching prospect, really nice young man who has got a good head on his shoulders. He wants to contribute. You know, he really thought he was going to make his major league debut last year. I, in fact, thought he had a chance to make a major league debut in September of 2019. Now, that was aggressive on my part, but considering the Rockies had made consecutive postseasons, at some point in June, they had the second wild card, and they were looking like they were headed to the postseason again. And teams late in the season will look to some of their top relieving prospects for a little bit of a boost, even their starters, and say, well, you know what? We need you in the majors in some high leverage situations, and maybe you can dominate. Look at Francisco Rodriguez and what he was able to do in 2002 for the Los Angeles Angels. He, of course, was a reliever, stayed a reliever, but you can use a guy like that. And at the beginning of next year, he can go back to his role as a starting pitcher. And I thought, you know what? Ryan Rawlison maybe could be that guy in 2019. Pandemic hits, doesn't get it together. Also, maybe the Rockies don't want to start his clock. You kind of understand that a little bit in 2020. So he doesn't have a minor league season. Does get to work out, of course, at Coors Field. He was part of that group. And then 2021, some really unfortunate issues. The appendectomy breaks his hand, both two kind of freakish things. So you can read about that when that article drops on Monday when you're listening to this. Go to the MLB app. You'll be able to follow along. You should be able to get, I think, the Padres feed so you can listen to the game live as it's going down on the MLB app. And if you're not able to get to a game yourself, whether that's a Nuggets or an Avalanche game, you can head on down to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax, New York, where we always have some watch parties going down for all your favorite teams. We're going to do Rockies. We're going to have that as well. And everyone that's a member, you know you get that member size beer. You know you get a discount on Broncos tailgates and now Nuggets party bus tickets. Your annual membership, if you're ready to go all in, you get a free t-shirt at dnvrlocker.com. Extra raffle tickets at those watch parties to win free gear. It's only 50 cents for your first month at the dnvr.com. And if you don't want to come down to the bar, guess what? You can still watch the Nuggets and Avalanche right now in the comfort of your own home. Yeah, with Avaca TV. Maybe you've seen it already. AT&T Sportsnet now has a deal with them. So you'll be able to now get the Colorado Rockies. You can get the Colorado Rapids, the Mammoth. CSU Rams, Denver Pioneers, and yes, most importantly, Nuggets and Avalanche for the first time in what seems like a decade. Go to avaca.tv slash dnvr and learn all about it. Zero hidden fees or contracts. We're talking $25 per month plus receiver. Your price gets locked in for two years so you don't ever have to worry about it again. It's Nugs, it's Avs, up and down the Rocky Mountain region. Check it out. It's ivaca.tv slash dnvr. And for my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week, I want to go with Gonzaga at minus 400 over Arkansas to show some love to our social media director, Marissa. I know that's her team. Mark Few's squad is back at it again. But it's baseball season, so 
My DraftKings Sportsbook Pick of the Week is Herman Marquez over 180.5 strikeouts. So right now, the over-under is at 180.5. Both are minus 110. Now, Marquez has reached 175 strikeouts in his last three full seasons. So what does that mean for 2020? Well, it was a shortened season. And if you extrapolate for 32 starts, would have put him at 180 strikeouts. So again, all of that says it's short and that he'll need a career high in strikeouts to get there. But I think he's going to get it. Herman Marquez, take the over 180 and a half strikeouts at minus 110 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. On Friday, you had a chance to see Chris Bryant, his agent, Scott Boris, GM Bill Schmidt, and manager Bud Black, as well as Rockies owner Dick Monfort say a few words at his press conference, which was broadcast on MLB Network. Bryant talked extensively about wanting to be here, wanting to be a member of the Colorado Rockies, wanted to be in Denver, really gave it a lot of praise. Same thing for for Scott Boris, who had one of his great Scott Boris-isms talking about you know, the contract negotiations. Hey, who were some of the other teams that were in on it? What were those dealings like? Of course, can't really get into all that. And instead of saying that or saying no comment or anything along those lines, he says, well, you know, when you go to a wedding, you don't talk about the bridesmaids. You only talk about the bride, right? So I I thought that was probably the, the quote of the whole thing, also called Bud Black, the king of Zoom. So probably could do a whole podcast just on this press conference, really. It it did make me think, you know, in, in listening to Brian's words, you know, does he, when he says here, when he says he wants to be here, is he talking about the Colorado Rockies organization? Or is he saying the city of Denver? Is he saying, hey, I, I can look around the United States, a lot of really good markets, throw Canada in there. And if I'm going to get paid a lot of money, where do I want to live? Whether the team good or bad or indifferent, whatever it may be, or dysfunctional or fully functional. Where do I want to be? And you have to put Denver up there towards the top of the list. There really aren't too many of those markets where you say, eh, do I want to live there? Maybe it's a little too cold. But at the end of the day, if someone's throwing $182 million at you, that's probably a pretty good city, probably a pretty good town. Now, I asked him during the press conference about the fact that he's made the postseason in six of his seven years in the majors, and he actually upped the ante by saying he'd never been a part of a losing team, which I guess is true, right? Because he was on the Giants last year. They won 107 games. But granted, he was on the Cubs last year. They were a losing team uh, at the point in which he was traded. They were 50 and 55 on July 30th. Obviously, they were even worse than that after he left. But nevertheless, I made sure to, to include the fact that, you know, you want to be here. You've been a winning player. What about the roster is enticing? What about the roster has been appealing? And he did mention the starting rotation a lot. You probably saw him a couple of different interviews on MLB Network uh, in the days following. But the starting rotation is going to be a constant common theme when anyone is speaking publicly about the organization now. It's like one of those buzzwords. It's it's what it was like in in the 2000s. You know, even after the humidor, uh, in the early, in the early 
in the mid to late nineties. And I, and I think really up through the 2010s, really it's, it feels like only since 2020 do people understand that, Oh yeah, you just hit home runs at Coors field. And it's just, it's fantastic for hitters. And it's just nothing but awesomeness. Like I, I think people have a much better understanding. Now there's still some that you got to keep getting the word out to, but I think now people realize it. You're going to hear just people talking about the rotation, the rotation, the rotation, especially if they're looking to say something nice about the organization because this deal obviously comes on the heels of the Nolan Arenado trade 13 months prior, the inability to lock up Trevor Story. And I think you understand from Trevor Story's perspective, he saw what happened to Arenado and said, I, I don't know that I want to stay around and stick around for this. So you get that. But to go back to the contract for Bryant, seven years, $182 million, largest ever given to a free agent by the Rockies. It is a pretty boilerplate deal for the most part. Nothing crazy, nothing backloaded. Uh, it wasn't front-loaded like the Ian Desmond deal, which when he ended up walking away from money, it was the, the tail end when he wasn't making as much. It was still a lot of money he left on the table. But nevertheless, this is you know almost exactly that $26 million every single year. This year is actually interesting. It's a $7 million signing bonus and then a $17 million contract. So you're saying, all right, well, he's, he's making $24 million. What's the big deal? But really what that means is he's getting $7 million up front rather than having to wait however many days it would be or however many months to make his first $7 million. No, he's getting $7 million up front. So now he can go and invest in that. And I mean, shoot, maybe because the housing market is so bad in Denver, a guy like Chris Bryan is saying, could you float me some cash right away? You know, I, I can't wait two months. I need to get my house in order. So you know what? Give me that $7 million right now and then just pay me 17 over the course of the next six months. But it'll be $27 million the next two years. And then the final four will be $26 million. Now, when Arenado was traded, he still had six years, $191 million remaining. But the fact that the Rockies are going to pay approximately $51 million to St. Louis, that means the Rockies saved $140 million. So they trade Arenado, they sign Bryant, and add an additional $42 million if you're doing the math that way. It's, it's nearly a wash, really, I would say, uh, except one year was added, obviously, for, for Bryant it being seven years. Arenado's deal changed for him once he went to St. Louis, where another year was tacked on. But the Rockies still had six years, $191 million remaining with the pay down to St. Louis. Rockies ended up getting $140 million off the books. Now, 13 months later, they put it all back on, plus $42 million. Other teams around baseball have been signing some outfielders to some interesting deals. We've been saying it all offseason. Rockies need to get one impact bat. Two would be great. Phillies ended up doing that. They got two bats. For $179 million, they get Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos. Kyle Schwarber gets four years, $79 million. Boy, does that non-round number really bother me. Just make it 80, please. Please. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, four years, $79 million. And Nick Castellanos gets five years, $100 million. That's a nice round number, $20 million every year. And so you say, ah, oh, you could have had two for the price of one. Yes, 
and no, because the fact that Schwarber and Castellanos are going to be teammates for four consecutive years, the Phillies are actually going to be paying just under $40 million each year for the pair, whereas the Rockies are paying $26 million for Bryant. Now, of course, I think you'd rather have the two versus the one, but the math isn't as simple as, well, the Rockies paid the same thing as the Phillies did for two players, but again, the timeline makes it a little bit differently. It's $40 million per year for four years that the Phillies get these two impact bats, whereas the Rockies pay $26 million for the next four years and then three more years on top of that. He'll be 36 years old, Chris Bryant, in his final year of the deal, so not very old. Not too concerned with his injury history. There's been a little discussion about that. You know, he missed a lot in 2018, missed a fair amount in 2020, but that was already a small sample size. So I'm not too concerned with it. You know, played over 150 games his first three seasons. So I'm willing to I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt as far as staying healthy is concerned. One of the things I've noticed in watching him take live batting practice and just walking around the complex and in the clubhouse, he's very tall. He's very tall. He's six foot five, which is tied with numerous guys for the second tallest. Don't think I mentioned this on the podcast. Definitely tweeted it out. Michael Restovich, who was a big prospect in the Twins organization a while back, didn't really play very much with the Rockies. 13 games, something like that. Probably probably most famous for being featured. I assume he was featured on every Rocky ever. Shout out to the homie, Skylar Timmons. But Michael Restovich, six foot six. Chris Bryant, right there, six foot five. Zach Veen, six foot four. And maybe still growing? I don't know. Still haven't got a chance to catch up with him yet. He's the last guy. He's been elusive. Talked to just about every other prospect in camp, hoping to get a few more on my final day. It's been it's been great learning a lot more about these guys, getting to meet them, getting to see how tall they are up close and personal and get a feel for their gameplay on the backfield. So we've got a lot of really great content coming out, cranking it out just before opening day. About three weeks left, believe it or not. It's going to be fun. And really, nothing is more fun than fast-acting, dissolvable gummies from Ripple. That sounds sounds like a lot of fun, especially because it's clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy because absorption happens within 10 minutes. It's, it's actually been studied by CSU in placebo-controlled trials with real people. It's legit. They also make Ripple dissolvables, which actually allows you to make anything into an edible because of the flavorless dissolvable powders. Look for them at Lightshade, Colorado's premier dispensary, with 10, soon to be 11, convenient Denver metro locations, offering something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flowers, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And now, y'all out there can get 25% off non-sale items with code DNVR. To shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. All of our friends that were at the Broncos tailgates in the past year, if you were members, you also got discounts on that. You already know about Sexy Pizza. You you definitely know about Sexy Pizza. Look, I haven't said it in a while, so I might as well drop it right here. 
I'm originally from New Jersey, and so I know my way around a pizzeria. And that pizza is legit. That pizza is legit. It's it's the best pizza that I've had in the state of Colorado. And just doing this ad read and not having had pizza in a while, I am very well willing to drive a couple hours to Trinidad, Colorado to have some sexy pizza. You don't have to do that, though. I, I'm being drastic in mentioning that they've got a location in Trinidad. You can go someplace much more local in Denver, Jefferson Park, Park Hill, Old South Pearl, Capitol Hill. Look, it's a Denver community-based pizzeria, and they like donating to a various range of nonprofits right here in Colorado. They would love to support your organization or event as well. Check them out at www.sexy.pizza. Check out their about page for the donations link to see how Sexy Pizza can also support your cause. Well, the final news of the day is Trevor Story has signed with the Boston Red Sox. Not the Texas Rangers, who it sounds like he may have been talking with them, despite the fact they have 13, 14 shortstops. I, I, I lost track at a certain point. But even after signing Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, there was discussion about, well, do you go to the go to the outfield? Do you play third base? And that's still a part of the conversation in this deal with the Boston Red Sox, because despite Boston giving him six years at $140 million, it seems as if Trevor Story will be a second baseman next year. Story, of course, discussed in the offseason the fact that he did not want to change shortstop, but understands that, look, he may need to move off the position temporarily to reclaim a little bit of value or to prove that any of the question marks around his defense or, or the health of his arm even really are, are not question marks. They're a, a blip on the map. That's it. And it, that map is, is, is long gone and, and is in the rearview mirror. Now, his deal is really interesting because it's at, at three intervals. He's got an opt-out after four years. He's got the six years at 140, as we kind of know it. But there's also an option for a seventh year that Boston can pick up for $20 million. So unique, unique deal. But I don't know that Trevor Story will be playing second base for very long because we've talked about it this offseason when looking around the league and, and seeing what shortstops could possibly be suiting up for the Rockies on opening day. And, you know, Angelton Simmons and Jose Iglesias seemed like they were the two guys within the Rockies' price range. They got it done with Jose Iglesias. But there were trade targets. You look around and say, well, depending on where Seeger and Correa, who, since we last left you, signed an interesting three-year, $105 million deal with the Minnesota Twins. We have to talk about that another day. Marcus Simeon, Javi Baez, and, of course, Trevor Story. You say, well, depending on who signs any number of those guys, they may no longer need their current shortstop. And they might be really interested in some of the trade candidates that the Rockies might dangle out there. And while I never really thought Xander Bogarts could be one of those trade acquisitions, I very well was aware the fact that Bogarts has an opt-out after this season, which means you know Boston may want a little bit in, of insurance. And does it mean they might not lock up Bogarts long-term? And hey, you know, if something happens, if he gets injured, he may say, no, I'll, I'll take the money. I'll, let's keep this deal right now. If he has a down year, something like that, he may just stick around in Beantown. 
But Boston now has a little bit of insurance with Trevor Story. And in fact, you know what? They might see his defense this year and say, Xander, you know what? You're, you're a little too rich for our blood. And we're just going to slide Story over to shortstop. Now, we've seen Trevor Story play for the last six years. And you probably also know very well that in left field, there is a monster of a certain color. Green, that is. And there's been a lot of discourse around Rocky's camp about whether or not Trevor Story could challenge for the all-time record for doubles. I believe it's 67 by Earl Webb, who I know that name very well because he has the doubles record. But I've virtually never heard his name mentioned in anything else. I don't think he was on any kind of playoff team. He had a relatively short career. But one year in Boston, coincidentally, he had 67 doubles. That's it. He was uh, an MVP candidate that year. I'm cheating. I'm looking at baseball reference. I'll tell you when I am. I'll tell you when it's not off the top of the dome. But yeah, it was uh, sixth place in the MVP race in the American League in 1931 because of those 67 doubles. And so that is ooh, a very challenging feat. But you know what? Trevor Story? Yeah, okay. I like that. We got we to gotta go over to DraftKings and see what the over-under is on his doubles because I would really like to get in on some of that action, uh, especially in that Boston lineup. It's really, really solid. Got Raphael Devers, you know, Bobby Dahlback, a kid who played baseball at Parker, Colorado. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, as mentioned. There, I'm sure there's even somebody um, I'm leaving out. Alex Verdugo was really solid last year. So Boston has those bats. And if, if Story's at the top of that lineup, which you got to expect he will inject a little bit of speed in the top of the order, 67 doubles? Can you can you go that far and say a, a record that has stood for 90 years is going to go down? That's a bold statement, but man, I, I think Trevor Story could do it. I really do. So I promised it at the start of the show. Here's Bud Black being asked about Trevor Story moving over to second base. The other voice you'll hear will be Patrick Saunders from the Denver Post who follows up about Boston as the market. Obviously, a lot more aggressive in the Northeast. How will Story handle it? Here's Bud Black's response. Yeah, I think that, you know, Trevor, uh, you know, is entering a, a phase of his career when he looks back, right? He'll realize that he, uh, you know, he'll, he's, he's played for two remarkable organizations, right? Uh, the Red Sox with their past, uh, you know, historic franchise. And he was fortunate to play with a with, a, with an organization that was uh, what now just 25 plus years old, right? Sort of a uh, you know a, uh, old and a new, right? Uh, where he was a part of a franchise here that, that was growing, and there's a franchise that has you know been there for a long time, and and he'll enjoy that because I, I do think he's uh, in a lot of ways a baseball fan, so. Uh, as far as the second base, I think that you know he's a he's a baseball player first. Uh, he's athletic; he'll be able to handle it. Um, you know, probably this winter at some point, uh, when it looked as though uh, he wasn't going to come back here, you know, he 
in, in probably that's behind the scenes there's talking he's probably practicing it already so uh, but he'll he'll uh, he'll handle that position with with no problem so knowing him as you do Boston is a very intense baseball town sure. one, of the, one of the most intense right. scrutinized knowing Trevor's you do how do you think I think, I think he'll he'll be fine again I think he I think he has a perspective that uh, you know he knows what his job is and that's to play baseball and if you if you play uh, you play the game hard uh, you play it with with energy like he does I don't think any any market will appreciate that cool thank you and we wish him well right I'll be I'll be following like I do I follow baseball but I follow players coaches managers that I've had a you know, direct relationship with. So we'll be following. Also during the morning meeting, Buddy was asked about the Rockies' chances of on being a contender. Like what needs to go right? What needs to go well for the team to be in it? And obviously things need to break every team's way. Every team needs to have some things go their way. Sure, you could look at the Dodgers roster and say, eh, they could be just okay. Almost almost not good, right? You, you look at what Freddie Freeman typically does and say, oh, what if he only hits 22 home runs and only drives in 90? You say, ah, he's just okay. Well, that, that's going to impact the, the win-loss record, but they're probably still going to be okay. Of course, we, we know there's going to be those exceptions, but you know, Buddy, his response was pretty simple, pretty much what you would expect. You know, it, It's going to require some good health. And, you know, the Rockies have had really good health so far outside of this, you know, Rogers back tightening up on him. Health has been really good. You know, you, you check out the news and notes from around the league and there's a lot of guys that are banged up, a lot of guys that are hurt and that are already, you know, probably scratches for opening day. So that bodes really well for Colorado if they can stay healthy, which they've been. I, I think their starting rotation for the most part was healthy last year. Now, granted, we're looking at, you know, a few guys that only made 23 starts and you say, well, we need you to make closer to 33 starts. So that's not great. But the fact that all five starters were able to go 23 times out there on the hill and were given the ball, you know, that's pretty good. Rockies have actually had really good health of their rotation overall. So good health, overall performance of that starting rotation is going to be incredibly important. And he said he's that ultimately... He, he needs guys to have really good years, not great years, not career years, but just have really good years. Now, you look at the Rockies roster and say, well, really good years for some guys would be a career year because they're really starting to and really trying to establish themselves. And so I think that that makes sense. But the idea of the Rockies as a contender isn't too far-fetched. Again, contender doesn't mean they will definitely make the playoffs. When you're looking at the best teams in baseball, you're not going to say the Colorado Rockies. When you're looking at the worst teams in the National League, they are not amongst the worst three. And that's where it really gets tricky. Now, last year, last year the Rockies were in a similar predicament where they were expected to quite possibly lose 100 games, but their starting rotation was so strong that it seemed there's no way that that's going to happen, and it didn't happen. And really, once they started getting guys back healthy, Elias Diaz finally started to click. Brendan Rodgers got healthy and was back on the field. 
Connor Joe started to step up just a little bit. Again, not even playing like an all-star, but just found his groove. Really, after that first month, you saw a much better team overall. The rotation, it was too good for that. I still think the rotation is too good to get anything less than 70 wins, right? If it was if it was that good last year, it should be that good this year with everyone a little bit older, not, not in a bad way. They're not, you know, 32 last year. Now they're 33. No, they're that much better. We'll, we still got to wait and see what's going on with Chad Cool. Got to see him, you know, throw a couple of bullpen sessions and, and throw live. And actually, he threw live on Sunday. But the rotation is good enough where you can say the floor of the team maybe is 72 wins. If things really go bad, 72. But they are probably going to be in the high 70 range again, essentially. Right? But if things can break their way a little bit, We'll have to see what guys do at camp. And look, spring training should be taken with a grain of salt. No two ways about it. But if you remember back to last spring, Elias Diaz really came out firing like a cannon. And that meant something because he had such a late start in 2020. He got to camp late. But he was talking about this today, the fact that it was Drew Butera and Tony Walters. Yeah, Drew Butera, hey, shout out. Haven't talked about him in, in quite a while. He hasn't gotten a reference. But it was those two guys, and Elias Diaz was was brought in, I thought, to be the number two with the potential to become the number one. And because his summer camp started so late, it didn't didn't get a chance to happen. And so he started to heat up in 2021, and and you got to see you know what he was able to do. So you might start to feel a little bit better about how things are gonna go. But again, that being said, if all things go well. They are contending. That could mean you're five games out of the third and final wildcard place. You're five games worse than the sixth best team in the National League. That's what happens when there's 12 playoff teams. You're five games worse than the sixth best team in the National League. Doesn't sound very impressive. Don't, don't necessarily think it is. Doesn't sound very impressive, but yet that would qualify as being a contender. Now, I'm not telling you this to try to sell you on the Rockies. That's not my job. I'm just telling you this to point out the fact that, well, it kind of is a true statement if it's, if it's said. And it could be a possibility. And if things go really well, Rockies could actually be in that spot for the third wild card. And then we'll get to see GM Bill Schmidt work his magic, if he has any more magic after spending $182 million worth of magic on Chris Bryant. Because ultimately that's what it comes down to. If the Rockies can be competitive through July, then maybe you see a couple trades that help bring in any of the deficient areas that they have and they make a go of it. Because I think this Bryant signing is, is, is really interesting so many ways, but the Rockies maybe, maybe, have a two-year window right now to be contenders. Remember, they've, again, a lot of qualifiers here. I know, I know. The Rockies have a two-year window to possibly be five games worse than the sixth best team in the National League. And the reason it's two years is because after 2023, Ryan McMahon and Kyle Freeland are free agents. What happens with those guys? Who's coming up to replace them? There are players who can replace them, 
but they are more than two years away. They're more like three, maybe four. Michael Tolia probably is going to start the year in double A. If he does really well, we'll see him in triple A. Might even see him make his debut at the end of this year. But at what point can you say, this guy, this guy is reliable. This guy, we know what we're getting. So now we can focus on other areas because he's making the league minimum. So after this next two years, 2024, 2025 could be more of a transition period as they try to get better for the next youth movement in 2026 and 2027 when you start to see Veen and Romo, Benny Montgomery, Chris McMahon, Tolia is now in arbitration, whatever it may be. You're starting to see all of those guys, Ryan Rawlison, Ezekiel Tovar. So that will be part of Bill Schmidt's job is to impress upon owner Dick Monfort that, hey, we're contending here. We are close in July. We need to give this a go because after next season, we could be in a little bit of a lull again. We, we, we could have that. And it really should be noted that for all of the, the really good signings, I think that have been made, not great, but really good signings that the Rockies have made in free agency with these veterans, moves that you say, well, you should be making these moves. These are basic moves that most teams make. The Rockies haven't been making them. They're making them now. Hey, great. But for all of those moves, Chad Cool, Alex Colomay, Jose Iglesias, Julius Chessine, Daniel Bard, Carlos Estevez, all of those guys do not have contracts past this season. So all of those players are coming off your roster. And then you have to replace them yet again. And it may be even harder next year. It, it, I think it will be really interesting to see what happens next offseason. Because in comparison to this offseason, because of the lockout, making it just such a strange place and guys just kind of looking to take deals here and there and you know maybe teams being a little bit more aggressive. I, I think Iglesias ended up squeezing out an extra mil and a half, maybe two from the Rockies because of this. So good on him. But will that be the case next offseason? Will the Rockies be able to pick up guys on one-year deals as easily as they were able to this year? That That will remain to be seen. So... This year could be really important for the Rockies to do something. And again, should be noted, $21 million is going to the St. Louis Cardinals next year because of the Nolan Arenado trade. How much does that impact payroll? We're going to have to wait and see. Thank you guys for all the kind words you've been giving me and the company for our coverage while I've been down here in spring training. Really, really warms my heart. Really appreciate it all the great feedback that you've you've given us and looking to do the same, looking to roll that into the regular season, traveling on the road, you name it. Let me know what you're thinking. Patrick at the DNVR.com. Again, for all of that really great content on Twitter, at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons. And if you want to read the articles with the spring training notebooks and the one-on-one -on -one exclusives and, and prospect week, Yep, that's coming once again. We did it last year. Got to keep doing it going forward. It's only 50 cents for that first month on the dnvr.com. Got more guests lined up for this week. As always, we'll have Drew Goodman on. Much more fuller conversation with him. Get his takes on Chris Bryant. The other new signings, the dynamics, the chemistry 
in camp. It's been interesting. It's been very interesting. And this podcast today has been good. Very good, I would even say. But you know what? Momentum? Well, that momentum is only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I will talk to you then. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are taking great care of our DNVR members, especially those who've made the permanent switch to Green Mountain Dental Group. Now when you schedule a cleaning x-ray or exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver.